Now, Britain's most senior military officer has warned of a new threat posed by Russia to communications cables that run under the sea. The head of the defence staff, Air Chief Marshal Sir Stuart Peach, said Britain and NATO must avoid the risk of a potentially catastrophic effect on the economy if the cables were cut. Russia, in addition to new ships and submarines, continues to perfect both unconventional capabilities and information warfare. And there's a new risk to our way of life, which is the vulnerability of the cables that crisscross the seabeds. Can you imagine a scenario where those cables are cut or disrupted, which would immediately and potentially catastrophically affect both our economy and other ways of, of, of living if they were disrupted? Therefore, we must continue to develop our maritime forces with our allies, with whom we're working very closely, to match and understand Russian fleet modernization. And with me now is Professor Trevor Taylor, Research Fellow at the Royal United Services Institute. Thank you very much for joining us today to talk about this very interesting story. How significant, first of all, is this threat from Russia to underwater cables? Well, these, these cables, there are hundreds of them laid around the world. and. Uh, Obviously, they're not especially protected, certainly against malicious attack. They, they tend to be protected against anchors. So there you have it. As of 2017, from the UK Minister of Defence or the um, Chief of Defence, saying that, yes, you heard it right, the internet cables that um, the world relies on for communication, for international communication, are protected against boat anchors. And here we're looking at a threat from Russia, um, as we saw with Nord Stream 2, to potentially blow up or to sabotage those cables. And they're, as of today, protected against boat anchors. So a big concern this week when it was reported that Russia's spy ships, so-called spy ships, have been mapping out these undersea internet cables and the power cables that connect the offshore wind farms and so on to um, prepare for a potential attack against the West. This was a joint investigation by the Nordic public broadcast team who were investigating Russian spy ships with a particular focus on the Admiral Vladimirsky, here, shown here. Uh, this is one of these ghost ships. It had turned off its identification, electronic identification equipment. And although the Russians have said that it's on scientific research programme, if you look at it, it's covered in an array of aerials and radars, all of which indicate a very different purpose for it. Now, the Nor Nordic programme said that this was spying in the uh, seas around the UK. Well, this is not new. For somebody like myself, who served in the military for many decades, the, uh, the Russians and the Soviets before them always used to have ships around the UK listening and watching. The only difference is they used to call them trawlers, and even though there was no evidence of nets or fish, that was their excuse for operating. But of course, with increased tensions following the Russian invasion of Ukraine, inevitably there's a worry about more sinister intent. But what does this thing actually do? What it does is listen away. It's the eyes and the ears of the Russians. It's looking at things like typhoons when they operate up in the uh, north of the country, operating our quick reaction alert. They're watching our attack 
tactics. They're watching um, any shortfalls or any critical vulnerabilities. But the ship can also go around to the West Coast, look into the Clyde, watch how our submarines are operating. And it can also go down to the South Coast, down to uh, Portsmouth, and watch the Queen Elizabeth class operating there. And increasingly, it's looking below the ocean to actually see the critical national infrastructure. What's particularly interesting that this uh, reveal was last year, Norway revealed that one of its undersea data pipelines had been severed. They're not quite sure what caused it, but it could have been an act of sabotage. And in the uh, and also the Danish Defence Force took 112 pictures of Russian ships. If you remember the Nord Stream pipeline blown in on the 26th of September last year, and these Russian ships, some of them had cranes, some of them had submersibles, all of which it doesn't prove anything, but it certainly points the finger of guilt. The key issue here, though, is there's a, since my day in the military, is a massive increase in subsurface critical national infrastructure. In the North Sea, it's fairly shallow. It's pretty easy to track that stuff, but there's also an element of, um, of uh, redundancy there. But across, if you look west, for across the North Atlantic, some of the data pipelines there, they're very deep, hard to track, but they are critical uh, vulnerability. And also, as the uh, Europe has weaned off its dependency on Russian oil, we're now very heavily dependent on Norwegian oil and gas, all of which is provided by undersea pipelines. It just shows the critical vulnerability that we have to these sorts of capabilities. <clears throat> So, so that report from Sky News UK on April 20th. Since Russia invaded Ukraine, the West has made a coordinated effort to isolate Russia, as we may remember, cutting off financial and computer services dependent on the internet. These moves may backfire now that Russia has been forced to operate independent of the West. An attack by Russia on offshore infrastructure such as internet cables, as we have heard, would cause catastrophic economic damage to the West, but significantly less to an increasingly isolated Russia. Putin seems to be preparing op options for retaliation that may have seemed unthinkable during more peaceful times. Also on the 20th of April, the UK's Daily Telegraph warned that Vladimir Putin is preparing to attack the UK. Quote, for a long time, it was only speculation. Now we know for certain Russian spy ships are mapping wind farms and key cables off the British coast. There can be only one reason for this, to learn how to sabotage UK and European critical infrastructure in the event of a full-scale war with the West. Defense officials have been warning governments, governments about Russia's threat on critical infrastructure for some time, but little has really changed since 2017. The importance of these cables, which cross the ocean connecting countries and continents, is explained in more detail by the Center for Strategic and international studies on their website. It says, sometimes described as the world's information superhighways, undersea cables carry over 95% of international data. In comparison with satellites, subsea cables provide high-capacity, cost-effective, and reliable connections that are critical for our daily lives. 
The article also says this global network of undersea cables provides the high bandwidth connections needed for a wide range of activities for our modern society, from financial transactions to global communications or international scientific cooperation. In the financial sector alone, undersea cables carry some $10 trillion of financial transfers daily. Reliance on submarine cables will continue to increase as demand for data is expected to grow, driven by a shift toward cloud services and the spread of 5G networks, which are high-speed mobile networks. Bandwidth demand will almost double every two years in the near future. So you can imagine um, the significance of this then. The sabotage that we mentioned last year of the Nord Stream pipelines, according to the American Enterprise Institute, caused natural gas to leak into the sea and atmosphere and highlights the threat posed by undersea attacks on critical infrastructure. In addition to natural gas pipelines, the submerged internet cables that keep the world connected could be an appetizing target for rogue actors. Further complicating the threat is the fact that the majority of these cables are owned and operated by private companies who are answerable to shareholders and not governments. So they're, they're limited on what they can, they can really do. In March of last year, France 24 reported under the headline, Threat Looms of Russian Attack on Undersea Cables, to shut down West's internet, um, saying the US President Joe Biden warned this week that Russia is considering attacks on critical infrastructure. One of the scenarios that has been mooted since the start of the war in Ukraine is that Moscow will attack undersea cables to cut off the um, Western world's internet. The website Breaking Defense provided an analysis of this threat in February of last year, providing three reasons why nations should be increasingly worried about possible sabotage of undersea cable infrastructure. The first one, as we saw with the um, clip at the beginning about uh, the cables being protected from boat anchors, they say, um, first, it's very easy. They span thousands of miles. They're not guarded. You can get down there if you want to create mischief. You can go down in a mini submarine, which you can easily hide in a mothership, and go down there with hydraulic shears and cut the cable, or possibly tap into a relay or a repeater station, um, which would allow a, um, a bad actor, as they call them, to steal or tap into the data that's being transferred. Secondly, they say the impact is severe. National economies depend upon these undersea cables. For example, the paper's finding that the U.S. clearinghouse for interbank payment systems known as CHIPS and familiar to anyone who has worked overseas for a U.S. company does some $1.8 trillion in monetary transactions among 22 countries every single day. And that's just for that one purpose. And third, 
Um, bad actors can enjoy plausible deniability because you're doing this under the water. It's very difficult to detect and to demonstrate who it was that um, carried out the attack. So not only has Russia been shown to be mapping undersea infrastructure, but also they successfully disconnected from the internet in 2019. So they're prepared to disconnect the country and continue operating um, without the rest of the world. And China has also developed a similar strategy, which means that they can carry out such an attack without causing as much self-harm as would be the case for another country without that kind of uh, a setup. And of course, the other thing is that since the COVID-19 pandemic began, society has become almost entirely dependent on digital processes, certainly in the West, which typically run from massive centralized data centers interconnected around the globe by these very same undersea cables. It would seem that Russia is far more prepared then for this scenario than the West, and there is no sign that anything has changed in recent years, even though this threat has been um, discussed for some time, there is no business continuity plans to deal with it. Um, and the economic consequences obviously would be global and they would be massive. Imagine getting up one morning to find that international communication has been severed. It's no longer possible to communicate outside of continental borders. Text messages fail to be delivered. Foreign news sites are unavailable or, no, or are no longer updated. Emails are returned as undeliverable. Many key um, web applications are failing, and these days it could be um, devices, vehicles as well. International banking is brought to a standstill. Global stock markets go into freefall. At first, there's no explanation for what's happening. And so as time ticks on, people begin to panic. Speculation mounts that there has been a highly organized state-sponsored global attack on the internet. A run on the banks begins, and accounts and withdrawals are limited or frozen. As the outage turns from hours to days, store shelves empty and available supplies are snatched up. When have we seen that before? In the midst of this chaos, Russian tanks are rumored to be rolling west into Europe and south through Turkey, but information is slow and inconsistent. Details are unclear. Before Russia invaded Ukraine, this hypothetical picture may have seemed far-fetched. Today, it is chillingly plausible. The one thing that the pandemic that we've lived through has taught us is just how vulnerable society is, and that such an event as a global internet outage can suddenly and dramatically change life as we know it. Those of us who um, lived through a days-long outage, such as the massive power outage in eastern Canada and the U.S. in 2003, understand what this kind of event can be like. What would it be like if such an event was combined with a massive Russian attack? If the experts are right, it could take weeks to repair cables following such an attack and recovery efforts would be subject to sea weather conditions. Um, it's very difficult to repair these cables, um, which can be uh, a long distance under the sea surface. Speaking of um, Roche, 
or Russia. Bible of prophecy leads us to expect such an event culminating in the invasion of Israel. Reading from Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 7 to 9, we read, Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, that is, the uh, Jews, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend uh, Rosh, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Those events come at the time of a clash between what the Bible calls the King of the North, or Russia, and the King of the South, Britain, and her allies. This is a, a subject that has been covered before and is also well covered in prior issues of the Bible magazine. And this comes from the description that we have by the prophet Daniel in his 11th chapter, verses 40 and 45, where we read that at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. And so here we see the picture of an aggressive Russia um, coming to attack the Middle East with a massive um, force, which is like a, a cloud to cover the land, and um, ultimately is in conflict with the West, and yet will come to um, its end with none coming to the aid of Russia. So this will be a dark day when once again the lights will go out all over Europe. And it may also be that the Creator will turn the elements of nature against the wickedness of the earth, including that which is pushed over the internet, as well as um, Russia and her great company at that time, when, as we've read, he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Wired, a technology magazine, has described a different threat to the global internet and its superhighways. And this was in an article under the headline, A Bad Solar Storm Could Cause an Internet Apocalypse. The undersea cables that connect much of the world would be hit especially hard by a coronal mass ejection. This um, was in August of 2021. And the article states, while severe solar storms are extremely rare, the stakes are perilously high. A prolonged global connectivity outage of that scale would impact nearly every industry and person on Earth. A moderate severity solar storm in 1989 knocked out Hydro-Quebec's grid and caused a nine-hour blackout in northeast Canada. But that too occurred before the rise of modern internet infrastructure. And so this is another scenario that could play out as described there by um, Wired magazine. And such an event would disrupt civilian and military infrastructure alike. So whatever happens, we see that the world is very vulnerable. 
like a house of cards ready to fall. When this time comes, when these things happen, it will bring down the pride of man, and people will have no place to turn but toward God. As we read in Psalm 146, Do not put your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is. So trusting in our God, we do not fear what the future holds, but now is the time to ensure that we are on the Lord's side. This has been Daniel Billington with you this week, looking at the news in light of Bible truth. 